tired. So tired. Overtired. You're listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren. He's Brett Terpstra. Hey, Brett, how are you? I, so I'm like in the weeds building this, you know, bunch, my, my like automation app that I've been kind of obsessed with. I decided it can run shell scripts. So you should be able to see the output of shell scripts. And so I built this entire system that uh, not only does it load like your full login shell environment, it also converts uh, like ANSI color codes in your output two attributed strings that it can display in a nice Menlo presentation. Anyway, I that's nice. where my brain is right now. So I'll come no, around. Which... I'm ADHD uh, common symptom is trouble switching tasks. I'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah. Um no, but I mean I th- I think I think the I, I like this that uh like this is where your brain is. And I, I, but honestly, this got us talking about, about shell um, scripts uh, or I guess about shells, not shell scripts, but shells in general, because you put fish on <laughs> our list and that was going to be like a later topic, but I just want to talk about it now because I really like talking about Why like, not shell just environments. jump into tech, just honestly lose, you lose that portion of our audience right off the bat. That doesn't okay, care you're about right. you're Okay. No, okay. You're right. I'm into we, it. We, Okay, I was well. I was gonna say, should we do like the health corner first? But I felt like this was sort of associated with the health corner because, like, this is what your <laughs> mind was on. Um, you know, let's I let's break no, tradition. Are you sure? Because we can just go to the health corner and then come back to fish. Like, I'm not fine. sure. I'm finding it's making me uncomfortable. But in my life, I've. I generally go with things that make me uncomfortable because it no, feels. No, 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 no. Okay, let's start with the health corner. Let's talk about. Okay. Let's talk about. Let's talk about the health corner. Speaking so, of mental health, yes, I want to. I want to read this line from Discord uh, in regards to last week's show. Uh, SMA said, um, "Today's episode is great. Putting scheduling slash sponsors ahead of sleep is entirely on brand." <laughs> yeah, SMA. Nailed it. Totally. 100% on brand. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know what I realized this morning? What's that? I didn't realize I have Tourette's, but I realized that, so my Tourette shows up in muscle twitches. Um, Like, I'll I'll get a feeling that I absolutely need to tighten or or flex a muscle at, like, all over my body, but primarily in my legs. Okay. And I realized while I'm doing tree and yoga this morning that the the, the one thing that always uh, knocks me over in balance poses is my Tourette's. Like it never clicked for me before, but I realized that like I had to twist to be able to flex a muscle in my calf. And the, it's that slight twisting just to twitch a muscle that ruins my balance poses. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's it's a little funny, yeah. Uh, did you ever see that uh, uh, when Billie Eilish, she also has Tourette's yes. that manifests much the same way. Um, the, she during interviews, she uh, she'll wait until the interviewer is asking a question because she assumes the camera will then be on them, and she lets out. She'll like hold in her muscle twitches and then let them out when the camera switches away. Uh, but she tells she tells a story about. How one time the camera didn't switch away, so in the middle of like a televised interview, she, she just went all berserk with her face. It was, yeah. 
Did I you watch her. the Billie Eilish documentary yet? I haven't seen it yet. No. Me um, either. I want to. I do as well because I really, really like her. And I, I, ha- I have watched, I guess, for like the last four years or however long they've been doing it where she answers the same questions yeah, with yeah, Vanity yeah. Fair, you know, um, but, but each year it's, it's changed. They got really lucky there because obviously she like broke out big with, with ocean eyes or whatever, when they first like had her for that thing. But I mean, that was kind of one of those, you know, maybe not one in a million, but probably one in 500,000 sort of things where the person, where somebody that they already had kind of a relationship with would wind up breaking out the way that she did. Yeah. Yeah. She deserves it though. I really like She her. does. I really like her too. I like her brother. I, I like them a lot. And what's his name? And he has a funny name. Phineas. Phineas. Yeah. I mean, not like, like funny name, but it's an odd name. It's odd. it's an well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 an uncommon name for sure. Yeah. There you go. Uncommon. So we we're recording. This episode is actually going to go up a little late because. We're recording a day late and then hours on top of that because both of us had psychiatry appointments. Yep. And I, so I ended up canceling uh, uh, a second podcast recording yesterday. Like the first one was a scheduling conflict. The second one, I found that after my psychiatry appointment, which went great, I was super anxious. Like something about going to see the psychiatrist gets me very um, riled up. Interesting. And then I feel like I can't, I don't know what it is. I think it's a tip, a general, like I get the same with going to the doctor. It's just like a, a, a white coat syndrome kind of thing. Oh, I can see that. Okay. But yours was just this morning. You're clearly, uh, you're clearly holding it together better than I was. Well, I think the difference too, I've been with this shrink, uh, except for like my dark period when I ghosted him for so long that I don't have, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it, it's close to 20 years at this point. So it's been such a long standing relationship that I don't have, I guess maybe some of like the anxiety that you might have from a normal doctor appointment sort of thing. I don't know. What? Yeah, no, there was the psychiatrist that I saw for like must have been eight to 10 years uh, before he retired. I was comfortable with I never got freaked out going to see him. Uh, It was after that when like the next doctor cut my meds and uh, left me with this like fear of going to the psychiatrist because who knows what will happen. I was going to say, now you have like a very real fear response, right? And so you go into it kind of with this, you know, like almost PTSD sort of thing. Very and much then so, you yeah. have, to, you know what I mean? And then it's like, okay, we, you get out of it and you feel like the sense of relief, but you've had this anxiety and this, this pent up like uncertainty going into it. Like I can totally see that. Like I'm, I'm, my shrink is going to, my psychiatrist, he's going to retire at some point. He's 75. It's going to be sooner than later. And I'm going to need to find someone and I'm, not looking forward to that. I don't even know how I'm going to handle that because, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, I I, I know the feeling. No, I mean, and it's one of those things that like, okay, that actually makes me anxious, right? Like thinking about things that like make me anxious, that makes me anxious thinking about finding a, a new person because it is such 
uh, as we've discussed on this show for years, like it is one of those things that will make or break, I think, anybody's mental health treatment plan is what um, doctor you have and, and or what counselor you're talking to. Totally. Because I've had bad ones and I've had good ones. And I've been lucky that I've had two good ones and I've had a whole bunch of bad ones. And many of them are are not good, right? It's just one of those things where, especially with the state of, of medicine being what it is and, and how insurance things work, it's not easy to find somebody good. And, and it's what's stressful to me about this, which is going to be you know different whenever I have to do this again, different about when I did it last time is I've never done this as an adult. I had the in many ways, I'm not saying it was in any way positive because it certainly wasn't, but going through a lot of this stuff as a kid, as a teenager, the one upside was that, you know, you do have a sense of like time to experiment because, okay, I missed a bunch of school and I had other things and like, that's bad, but it's not as if you can't take those days or take that time to find it. Yeah. Whereas as an adult, it's like, I need to find someone who will get me my meds and then maybe I can try to figure out like the, the better alignment of, of who the right you know person is. Um, and I guess I had to do that as a kid too. There were people that I, I saw, like I called a guy on my phone, like Dr. Kevorkian. Um, <laughs> although, you know, that wasn't like a accurate thing. He was just, he was useless. Uh, he was just basically, a Grant saw a guy who we called Dr. Worksheet. And that's basically what this guy yeah, was. Yeah. He would just write me my meds. And so it's like, okay, you can find like a stopgap for that. But if you want to find a real person, like that takes time and effort and energy. And that can be very much the equivalent of, of a full-time job in and of itself just to try to find the right doctors. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, at least you have options. Where I live, I have the hospital like the mental health division of the hospital, which has not had an actual psychiatrist. Uh, it's all, all uh, P PAs. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Physicians assistants. Yeah. Like they haven't had a, a full on doctor for probably five years now. They can't hold on to anybody. Um, in fact, not probably not since my doctor retired who I was seeing through there, but then we have a mental health clinic that has two psychiatrists, which are, um, I, I at best they're they're okay. That's where I'm going now, and my doctor is okay. Uh, I would say I never feel really terribly listened to, um, or uh, beyond that, you have to go out of town. Like it, I, there's really no shopping around to do, which sucks. Yeah. The nearest, the nearest, if I have to go out of town, it's at least a half hour drive to the next option. So I don't want to do that. I don't like driving that much. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Although half an hour, I don't know. It, this is just me growing up places where, and living places where traffic is terrible. I'm, I'm like, eh, half an hour is whatever. Like I did actually live very close to my um, psychiatrist for a number of years. Although when I started seeing him, I don't believe I lived that close to him. And, and so he was literally almost across the street. And so it was what he, I could like walk to his office, but uh, you know, many of my other doctors growing up anyway, it was different when I was in, in college and then after, because I lived in, in the city, but it was not uncommon to have to, you know, drive into, you know, Atlanta proper to go to like the specialist that I would go to. 
I can't do traffic anymore. I'm so used to like in 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 Winona, uh, mm-hmm. it takes ten minutes to get anywhere, and rush hour means it takes like twelve minutes. It's it's ridiculously small, and there's ridiculously few cars on the road, and I that's one of my top three things about why I want to live in a small town. No, it makes sense. I mean, I definitely I don't like cars. I don't like driving, but. Uh, I don't really have like a, a choice in terms of, you know, I need to take Ubers or whatever. I can walk and I guess, you know, public transit will be better. I'll feel more comfortable with public transit once I've had a vaccine, uh, which who knows when that's going to be. What's the what's the rollout or what's kind of the update process? How are things going in Minnesota with the, the vaccine rollout? Um, they're still mostly doing old people and frontline workers, but I signed up for their uh, the government has a vaccine tracker, they call it. Mm-hmm. And it'll basically keep you informed as as uh, stuff becomes available and you can enter like comorbidities and stuff that you have. Uh, and as 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 the vaccine becomes available for people in your group of vulnerable vulnerability, uh, they'll send you a text message. And so now I sit and wait. Elle is fully vaccinated. That's awesome. That's that's so good. So she she got the Pfizer one, right? I think it was Moderna. Moderna. Okay. Yeah. That's the one that my parents got. So did like her arm hurt after yeah. the second dose? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For like days. Um, you want to, she, she got her new job. Do you want to hear about her new job? I totally want to hear about her new job. So you know how she's into knitting? Maybe you yeah. don't know, but she's super. Well, I remember you telling me that she's into that. When she was sick and dealing with Lyme, uh, she got into knitting and it became like, I would say a passion. She was, she, she's very passionate about knitting and she makes amazing stuff like I've known people who have knitted for you know most of their lives and are not creating stuff as cool as I think but also I love her to death so maybe I'm biased but anyway mm-hmm. she uh the, the, a job opened up at a local uh yarn store called Yarnology and oh, so like she she applied and uh went through the process uh, it once they kind of got down to brass tacks, it didn't sound like they would be able to pay her enough, but they, they texted her the next day or emailed her and said, Hey, we crunched some numbers. We can match what you're making now. And I got to tell you, she's been there about a week and she is so happy. Like she comes home laughing every day and at her previous job working with uh, loud nonverbal people and, uh, direct care stuff. She came home tired and stressed and, uh, smelling like Febreze, which with her chemical sensitivity required like an immediate shower after getting home. Things are so different. It's like night and day. She's so much happier now. Yay. I'm so happy to hear this. Yay for your analogy and yay for L. Like this is great. Speaking of new jobs, I applied for one. Okay. Um, Oracle has started a developer relations team. Uh-huh. And they're uh, they I I talked to the the head of it and they're basically fighting against like Oracle's 40 years of um Oracleness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the old guard and they're working yep. to try to build something that can make Oracle relevant for another 40 years. And they're looking for uh, content writers, uh, content editors, and developer advocates, and kind of the job positions they have are kind of a mix of all all of those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
uh, Victor from Tua actually hooked me up with uh, the guy at Oracle. Uh, we had a good chat, and he he spent a few days reading my entire blog, apparently, and said that he he thought I'd be a great addition to the team, and so I sent in an application. And I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want a day job, but also it sounds like a fun job doing yeah. uh, interesting things, and I bet it would pay better than being an independent developer right now. It would definitely pay better and you would get better benefits, which would be good for some of your other stuff. Uh, also, <laughs> as somebody who is a developer advocate, like it's a fun job. I mean, it's a lot of what the stuff that you've been doing naturally for years, honestly, like your blog is a great resume for, um, you know, um, developer relations because all the side projects and stuff you build. Right. Like, well, And I, I've become over like 10 years of writing my blog and writing for like Mac stories and Mac world, um, and to, uh, like mm -hmm. I've, I've learned to very, uh, very easily predict what people aren't going to understand, what people are going yep. to be offended by what people are going to, uh, have questions about. And I can write in such a way that I can explain things, um, proactively to yes. to make I can write very clearly, but I can write in a an informal tone that still conveys information very clearly. And that's not like that's a learned skill. And I have I've been in the no, weeds it, on that. It's a learned skill, but it's also one I'm gonna argue I think that there's part of it that is an innate thing, like being able being a good explainer. Like you can definitely learn it and you can become better at it, but there are people who are more predisposed to do it than others. And, and I think the people who are more predisposed tend to be the people who find a way to do it naturally. Like, you know, even going back to your, your, your two and download squad blogging days, like when you and I met, like that had an element of that to it. Right. But everything yeah. you've done for your personal blog and for the other places you've written definitely has like, you nail that tone. I mean, I would say the same for myself. You're, you're better than I am in terms of, you know, like your, your technical ability, but I feel like I'm, very good at breaking down complicated things and totally an understanding, like you said, what people are going to need context about and what people are going to need information about. And that is, a, it is a learned thing, but it is also one of those things. I think that there are people who are good at it naturally are drawn to those things. Like that was me doing journalism. And I think that's why it was an easy transition for me into developer relations because we talked about this on systematic because a lot of it is like just kind of knowing your audience and knowing how to explain something. Um, like in, in my interview with Microsoft, my, what I whiteboarded was how did, how would you break down a complicated story? And I, I broke down cause it, it just happened. I had written a very complicated story about, uh, the then, um, I guess he still is. He's in jail now. He was recently sent back or whatever, but the, uh, de facto head of Samsung, was involved in this scandal with the then prime minister of South Korea. And there was all this shy ball stuff and it was very complicated. And it was one of those things where, um, I knew the story was interesting and I pitched it to my editors and was originally, they kind of dismissed it. And then they came back a couple, like a month or so later and they're like, Oh no, we want this story written now. <laughs> I was like, well, motherfucker, God, you know, cause it was really complicated. And it was one of those things where we had to explain, I had to explain the shy ball system. I had to explain the, uh, different, uh, which, which is unique to South Korea 
and how their corporations work. I had to explain the infighting happening within the Lee family, and uh, which controls Samsung. I had to explain the different bribery and other, um, you know, like, um, uh, you know, like uh, corruption um, scandals happening within the government. You know, there were like all these moving parts, and had to kind of weave it into a way that people who weren't deeply in the weeds could do it. And some of it too was because as I'd kind of gone down the rabbit hole, that's why I'd wanted to write the story to begin with. Like. I had to learn about that stuff myself, which is also a thing that's frequently, at least for me, and I, I think for you too, like we, we have a problem that we need to solve from a development standpoint. You go down the rabbit hole, you're figuring out what you're doing, and then you have to kind of figure out a way, okay, how do I now explain this to other people so they can see the value in what you're doing? Do you, so, think, do you think ADHD helps you at all? Yes. Yeah, me too. I feel like 100%. part of... Like part of the reason that I write clearly and succinctly is because I'm always thinking about would I be able to read through this? And I don't have a high capacity for long articles. Like anything that re anything that's more than like three pages of uh, desktop display text, I'm out. Like I'll never yeah. make it to the end. Um, I have no problem with long articles, but yeah, I, I feel like my ADHD helps me with that, um, maybe being succinct or, or being understandable. I don't know. I think part of it for me, I always use not so much now because she's not like the perfect muse for this, but for the stuff that I did at Mashable and Gizmodo and when I would go on CNN and other places and whatever, and I would need to explain like a really complicated technical topic to a mainstream audience. I'd always like use my mom as kind of my guide. I was like, okay, how, how would you explain this to your mom? How yeah. would you, how would I explain this? Cause she's smart, but she's not, an expert yeah. in this area. I use Elle now because she has an amazing capacity for learning things that are well outside of her wheelhouse. Right. But they need to be like a lot of times if I'm explaining something tech, there's this whole backstory that she needs. She needs the context. Right. And like I that's one of the skills I've developed over time is to kind of back up and say, what do you need to understand this? What what groundwork do you need first? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, um, Ella and my mom would get along really well. Like they, they have similar like hearts I can tell, which are very good ones. And, um, like, like, oh, my mom has a huge capacity for learning things outside of her wheelhouse, but which is always why, like, it was never a derogatory thing. I think people would be like, oh, you're using your mom as your thing. I'm like, no, my mom is awesome. Like, yeah. but my mom is not a, a technical, um, person in the traditional sense, but she's smart and she can understand things. So I just need to use, okay, like how, how would I, how would I talk to her about this? And, and I think that, you know, and I have a different person kind of in mind, uh, it's not usually a single person. It's, it's kind of a group of people when I'm talking or, or writing about developer focused stuff, uh, especially if it's more of like beginner content or people who aren't familiar, as you said, with, with the context and, um, and knowing what that line is, is something that I think you only learn from experience, which you have from the the years you've been doing that. And, and I think that's one of those things that is really important in developer relations because you do have people who come from all across the gamut. You have people who are really experienced in a certain area. You also have newcomers. You have people who just dabble in and out and are just trying to get the documentation and figure out how to do it and don't really care for the preamble. They just want to know the brass tacks. You have people who are you know students or career switchers who are learning. You have people who do you actually care about the depth, you know, like there, there are those different people and you just need to know that line about like where you go. And I, I feel like your blog does a really good job being conversational and authentic and 
um, understandable. And, and I think the most important thing is it feels approachable. Like even if, like I read your blog and I've been reading your blog, you know, for as long as we've been friends. And what I've always loved about your writing is that there's some stuff that even if I'm like, okay, I couldn't write and do this stuff with bunch that you're doing. Like I wouldn't be able to, to do that code myself, but reading about what you're doing with it and, and listening to you talk about it and talking with you about it week to week, I can understand it and it feels approachable. So it's like, okay, this isn't something that I would do myself, but it doesn't feel like so out of the realm of my comprehension, right? Which, yeah. which is important. Are you ready for an amazing segue? First, thank you. That's very kind of you. But also, are you ready for an amazing segue? I'm totally ready for an amazing segue. Speaking of short things that are well-explained and, <sighs> and are interesting, oh, I feel like I had it better in my head. But anyway, wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, or act better? There is. Yeah. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I'm doing okay, right? That's fantastic. Okay. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. Headspace meditations start at just one minute each. Speaking of short things, uh, yes. they, they even have a set of walking meditations, so they're easy to fit into the busiest schedules. Headspace is proven to help you feel better. Their approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. If you need some help falling asleep, Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. I do. I, I concur with this ad read. The wind-down sessions are great when I'm not in uh, w when I'm not in a, a place where I can listen to an audiobook or like I won't absorb it. These wind-down meditations are awesome. Um, and on the other side of sleep, you'll find the uh, the wake up, which is daily original content intended to inspire your day from the moment you wake up. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, Headspace even has three-minute SOS meditations that you can do anytime you need it. I did air quotes for SOS. I, you, you, nobody could see that, but I feel like it came through in my I voice. So. I think it did. So I used to think that my mind was too busy to meditate. I thought that someone with ADHD and crazy manic episodes couldn't be still enough to do it. It turned out that the, I was exactly the kind of person who could benefit from meditation and Headspace really helped me find my groove. I had I had the great courses, uh, mindful meditation, like given to me, gifted to me, and it was like 80 hours long. There's no way, no way. But 10-minute meditations that can kind of ease you into it, super easy. Um, Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. So our listeners deserve to feel happier and Headspace's meditation made sim simple. Go to headspace.com slash overtired. That's headspace.com slash overtired for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal that's out there right now. So head to headspace.com slash overtired today. 
Thank you, Headspace. Thanks, Headspace. I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. So I added a bunch of like news articles that were, there's a lot of privacy stuff going on right now. Yeah, no, I saw that. Um, before we get into that, let's go back to fish shell. Oh, before yes. we talk about that. Yeah, let's, let's go back time. to fish shell. It's time now. Yes. I, I feel comfortable with this now. Um, so I was just evangelizing for fish in, uh, mm-hmm. in a, um, a Slack that I got invited into this Slack team that uh, like, I thought it was going to be a bunch of, uh, well, I, I, I don't know what I thought it was going to be, but I get in there and all the greats are in there. You got Rich Siegel, Daniel Jalcut, Florian Albrecht, like uh, nice. it, it's a who's who of independent developers. And, oh, yeah. and you can ask a question. You can ask a stupid question to which they will reply. Obviously, there are no stupid questions. And you will get help. It's amazing. I shouldn't. I shouldn't talk about this like everyone's invited. I don't. I don't know what the. Uh, I don't know how open it is. But I got in, and I'm super. It's amazing. But anyway, I, I was. Uh, I was asking questions about this uh, NS task controller I'm working on, and we got into a discussion of shells, and I found myself evangelizing for fish. I know it has. It has its quirks. It's a little bit slow. But the uh, the the completion and the type ahead stuff and it, it remembers uh, command history per directory, so it will remember what the last command you ran yep. in this directory was, and I I love it. I couldn't be happier. I've used it for a year now. I I I open up Bash or Z shell, and it feels old and boring, and mm-hmm. I love fish. Yeah, I like it. My only issue with it is that the thing about Z shell, especially if you use like Oh My Zosh or something, is that you can you do, you can't get everything you can get with fish, but you can get some stuff that's that's closer. Yeah. Although to, to your point, it will make things slower, right? Because you can have this yeah. like massive like um, you know um, 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 Zosh like profile like that's just massive. Uh, but my only thing with fish, cause I like fish and it makes sense. And like, it's a good shell. And like it, 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 I think that it was former Apple people who created it. If, if I recall correctly, I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong on that. Uh, that feels right, but there's <laughs> some sort of Apple connection, but I'm not sure. But the only thing is, is that the nice thing about Z shell is that it is backwards compatible with bash. And there are certain times where I will not either remember like a command in fish and I'll need to look it up or more to the point, like you need to run something. And if it hasn't been explicitly like said that it's like bash, you know, then if you're running it in Z- in, in fish, like it's going to give you issues. That's, that's, that's my only thing. So all of my, all of my favorite bash scripts and I was a bash stalwart for a decade. Um, I have a very, uh, a, a very customized, very powerful bash setup. And all of my bash scripts, uh, you just put a bash hash bang in them. Right. And no, they I understand. Run fine. No, I understand that. My point is that there are sometimes you'll run across things, like especially I'm thinking like if you're doing things from like remote machines or whatever, where um, you know, you you have a script that you've you've downloaded from someplace that like you'll have to go back and edit and add that, or you'll have to switch your shell environment. Yeah. I do find myself running bash L for like a login shell pretty often, but um, mostly because I need to figure out why something used to work for me and now it doesn't. Right. But yeah, right. there are like the scripting 
is like a very different syntax. It takes a lot mm-hmm. of getting used to. Even That's just the, the idea of like exporting uh, a, an environment variable is different in Fish. It takes some work. No, totally. I mean, and then the thing for me, I think the reason why I haven't ever committed to it, although I really like it, is because a lot of the stuff that I do is on virtual machines and is on like, you know, uh, or, or in containers or in other platforms like the cloud where I'm not necessarily going to install fish to, you know, get up and running. So if I'm like doing something remote, then I have the environment that I have, right? Like I probably have bash, like I might have Z shell, but I probably have bash. And so it, it, I haven't been able to kind of work it into my like personal kind of muscle memory of, of but stuff. That can be like, if you, if you're a, a daily user of bash or Z shell, You've got a pile of aliases and scripts and uh, modules, especially with Z shell that you're just used to having and and SSHing into anyone else's environment, even if it's the same shell, can still feel uh, handicapped. Of course, except I have like my dot files in like a GitHub repo and like there are ways with certain environment things where I can like set it to use my dot files. Like, so that that's my point. Like you're not wrong. You're completely correct that it still is one of those things. But I guess the difference is that I found workarounds for that, whereas I haven't for fish, which is why I personally haven't been able to get with it, although I've tried because I it's it's kind of like I think of it like Dvorak. It's one of those things where it makes sense. Like this is what everybody should be using, but I'm just like, <laughs> I'm going to be using yeah. query because that's what everyone uses, even though it's not the best thing. That is an apt comparison. Like I, I know in my heart that there are better, uh, better keyboard layouts than QWERTY. And uh, I'm just, I'm used to what I'm used to and learning something that will only work on my machine and not anywhere else I go. It's a good comparison. Nicely done. Nicely done. Thank you. Yeah, that just came to me. I was like, what's what's the analogy? I was like, oh, yeah, this is the Dvorak of of shells. Fucking brilliant. (laughs) All right. Did we talk enough about fish? I got so it has this uh, coloring when when the when you type a command that exists and is a valid command, it turns green. Uh, uh, Arguments get one color. Redirections get a color. Quoted strings get another uh, substituted commands get a different color. So as you type, your string is colored. Also, it's giving you type ahead completion. And Mm -hmm. it it can automatically, there's a module for Z shell that can do this too, but it can automatically parse um, all the command line flags and options. And with things like brew and git, it parses all the subcommands. So it gives you full, uh, full command completion for just about every command on your system. It knows every flag and every option for every command. Yeah, no, I really like that. And like, yeah, like you said, you can get extensions for Z shell to do that. The problem with both of them uh, is does slow things down initially, but it's so useful. Like, that I think that for a lot of people it's worth it, but it can definitely slow things down because I've made that mistake actually both with fish and with Z shell, uh, because I've like gone too far into configuring them and then like had this insane profile. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. No, my terminal (laughs) is very slow now and this is a very fast machine. So I need to par this down. Right. Like that's, that's always, um, actually I should do a video about that. I should do a video for people to like tame their, their shell environment because (laughs) I have a feeling there are a lot of people who 
you know, they build up the craft. They're like, oh, this is so useful. And they're like, oh, why is this taking so long? Yeah. I'm actually, it's funnily enough, while we're talking, speaking of ADHD, I've been going through that. I've been like going through my, my, um, <laughs> Z shell like profile, trying to kind of call stuff. Um, because what, what I'll wind up doing and, and you, maybe you're wrong, maybe you're different in this, but like, I'll wind up even sometimes like having like different like profiles that I use with different apps. So I have like a different, you know, one that I'm using with, um, with iTerm two versus, you know, terminal or whatever, because oh, that would drive one will me get, nuts. Yeah. I I've only done that a couple of times as I've been trying to like play around. Usually I, I try to keep it consistent, but the reason I did that one time is I was like, I really needed like a versioning system with like my profile to kind of go through stuff. And I, I didn't have time and it was so slow. I was like, okay, I just need to kind of start over. And I, I, I just like, you know, made a new, a new profile for, um, for iTerm too, because it was like, that was easier than, um, blowing everything away, uh, for the time constraints that I had. When I um, CD into a directory, there is always a pause because, Mm-hmm. I run a bunch of, in addition to like regular, like fish has a bit of a lag there anyway. Yep. Um, I don't know what it's parsing when you CD into a, a directory, but I also run directory hooks. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen my NA project, but I keep a task paper file in just about every code repository that I have. And it it's where I put ideas and bugs and to do's. And NA is a command line tool I wrote. It's actually a bash script that when I CD into a folder, it checks the task paper file and pops up like what the next actions and highest priority items are before it displays the the directory, the prompt. And like, I'm willing to wait for that because I have found it extremely useful. And like RVM, like I have different Ruby versions that run depending on which folder I'm in. I'm in, so that like that takes time. I've just become very patient, I guess. It's weird when I use like a a raw like Z shell command line and things just right. happen like instantly. No, I know. I'm the same way. Like when I like when I get a new machine, like you know, I set up a new environment. Like that's always like the best slash the worst part because it's so fast. And then I'm like, oh, but I don't have any of my aliases. I don't have any of my, you know, like none of my stuff is working the way that I wanted to work. So the first thing I have to do is, you know, clone my dot files. You know, what is working for me? What's that? My shower. Yeah. Mine too, actually. That's a great segue. So <laughs> no, it wasn't, it was a I horrible mean, segue. No, it's, it's okay. It's, it's a bad segue, but I mean, we'll, we'll make it work. It's, it's kind of perfect in the same way. And this episode is brought to you by Nebbia. And uh, we're excited because Nebbia is one of our favorite sponsors, and they are the creators of the Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower. And it's backed by some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley, including Tim Cook. And it's designed by former Tesla and NASA and Apple engineers who spent years researching and developing a superior shower experience that saves water and is anything but ordinary. And so the Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower is Nebbia's most advanced shower yet. And it has twice the coverage and half the water usage of a standard shower head. Um, And so the cool thing here is that despite using 45% less water, its spray is 81% more powerful than the competition. And its atomized droplets rinse shampoo and conditioner out of even the thickest of hair. 
I don't have super thick hair, but I have a ton of hair and my hair is incredibly long right now. Like it needs to be cut really badly. And I can attest to the fact that, uh, you know, even though it's using less water, it, the, the water pressure is great and it definitely rinses everything out uh, the way that you would want. With easy self-installation, Nebbia by Moen can be installed in 15 minutes or less without the need for contractors or plumbers or broken tile. So like, if you can change a light bulb, you can install Nebbia by Moen. And I can attest to that because I'm somebody who can change a light bulb but would not be able to, you know, like change a tire. And so <laughs> this worked out great for me. Um, it was a very, very good installation experience. I got to say, I never used to be a long, hot shower person, but now you are now. Now I find myself either thinking like I, I get good ideas when I stay in the shower long enough. It takes a while. Uh, and using half the water helps, you know, like I'm less worried about <laughs> I, ecology or money. But yeah, now I either I'm thinking or I'm just reveling in those atomized droplets. I am really liking the Nebbia by Moen. Yeah, no, I, I'm somebody who I've always liked showers, but I really love the experience and it's great. And the Nebbia by Moen spa shower starts at just $199. And for overtired listeners, we have a great deal for you. The first 100 people to use the code overtired at Nebbia.com will get 15% off all Nebbia products. So it's rare that Nebbia offers deals like this. And so don't wait to go to Nebbia.com slash overtired. That's N-E-B-I-A.com slash overtired to check out what they have to offer. And again, the first 100 people who use the code overtired when checking out will save 15% on all Nebbia products. So again, that's Nebbia.com slash overtired and use that code overtired to save 15%. Great job, Christina. That was a that was Thank a you, that was a hell of a read. Thank you. Thank you. So, I we, we could talk about how Brave bought a search engine, so or weird. we could talk about color e ink tablets. What do you feel like? Let's talk about Brave a little bit. I will talk. We'll talk more about the e ink tablets next week um, because um, I have like more thoughts on that. But but Brave buying a search engine, this is weird to me. Uh, well, I mean, it kind I mean, it's of, not weird. It, it makes sense, but yeah, it fits, uh, the idea of like their, their kind of mission statement and sure. creating like, a uh, search engine that's more crowdsourced and works with micro payments. Uh, like it makes sense. I am a little concerned. Like I, I need to I know more about you. You don't at all. Not at all. Not even remotely. I need to know more about they have this thing called goggles, which basically lets anybody create filters. So like you could have uh, we talk about filter bubbles and these are basically they're filters that you opt into. Like the thing about filter bubbles that upsets people is they don't even know they're in a bubble. They don't know that right. Google is giving them different results than it's giving other people. And Brave search engine, they're talking about. Uh, basically being able to opt into different filters. Like you want nothing but like creationist anti-vaxxer results. You can turn that filter on, which, you know, that's like the scary thing to me. I also, there's so much shit out on the internet that you kind of have to choose your filters, I guess. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point it's like, I don't, well, because the problem is, is that with, 
with with SEO, which for better or worse is, is how things work. Like people will optimize stuff, you know, to, it's not as if like organic ranking only means so much, right? Like the beauty of, of the original kind of Google page rank was that, yeah, SEO was part of it, but it was also kind of like a, a built-in kind of thing where they could kind of assess or they would try to assess like how useful was this result, right? Like how often would you like stay on that page or would you click back to another result or like how, how useful was it? Right. Yeah. Um, how much did it actually answer your question versus how much did they just stuff the keywords? So it showed up at the top and that's, they've gotten a little bit away from that. Right. But it's like, to your point, we all have like these filter bubbles will take over if you don't have anything, like if it's just kind of a free for all, then I, I fear that the people who are going to capitalize on it the most, it's not like the internet is a meritocracy or anything, not right. that meritocracies even exist, but the internet certainly is not a meritocracy. And it's like, it's going to be the shit that you see that's going to rise up and is going to take over. You know what I mean? Like if you don't have some sort of, um, filtering or, or grounders in place, like in a perfect ideal world, of course, it would be everyone on its merits, but that's not the world we live in or that we've ever lived in. And the internet is no exception. So, so part of Brave's plan though, is, uh, to anonymously track which, uh, which links, which get clicked and which ones seem to be the right result. And they have some plans for like spacing out the tracking from the actual click so you can't tell which user clicked what uh, right. but still be able to collect the information about which uh which result ended up being the right one and yeah. kind of building their index based on that right which you know i mean it could work i mean like apple is trying to do something similar with differential privacy and google their you know what, what we talked about a little bit last week and that you have more links on this because it was, you know, uh, EFF's um, article about their, um, uh, you know, federated learning of cohort cohorts thing, which was pretty critical of it. Um, like it's um, it's an it's not a bad idea. Right. It's one of those things where I, th I think it could make sense. I think my genuine question is always it's not that it's not technically possible to truly anonymize this stuff. It's is it likely because we've seen with a lot of these, you know, um, so-called anonymized kind of services and whatnot that really you can still very much identify who individuals are. Like the New York times had a thing, I think it was last year where they were able to kind of gather a bunch of cell phone data and they were able to basically track down and, and identify like individuals and individual movements throughout DC based on their cell phone patterns. And this was supposed to be information that was anonymized, but yeah. it could still be, very much individualized. And I'll be honest and say, I care less about things like my search history. Not that I don't care about it, but I care less about having a profile for that exists for advertising companies or for whoever than I do about like my location being tracked. Um, I, I, you know, feel like that is, is far more insidious and has far more repercussions, but I, I do always look at any claim from any company who is like, yeah, we can de-anonymize, uh, or not, not, not de-anonymize. We, we can anonymize, um, you know, this, this information and aggregate while still offering the features that we get from, you know, um, tracking things and tailoring things. I just look at that with a side. I, I know it's possible. I just, I just, you know, don't know how likely it is, but yeah. Well, I, don't know. I mean, so to the Google point there, their flock idea is basically instead of tracking individuals, we're going to assign 
individuals mm-hmm. to groups and your browser right. will do the tracking instead of cookies. Right. And ultimately it's still targeted advertising and it still comes yep. with all the potential for the discrimination and privacy invasion. And there, there are a lot of, like, it's all like white paper at this point. There's no, there's no actual plan. The browser, the first uh, kind of incarnations of it were supposed to come out maybe April. Uh, but there, like, there are so many unanswered questions about like how they're actually going to do this. And the more I read, um, like starting with the EFF statement on it, like it's it's very questionable. Like, why would Google give up ad- targeted advertising? Like, you got a question. No, they're not. I mean, the re- there. It, uh, well, of course, it's like the whole reason is because it's no longer um, either uh, viable from like you know you see Mozilla, but but really the big thing is Safari, and you see other people like blocking. Yeah, certain types of targeting. And so it makes it harder for them to do their job. And then you maybe have some of the antitrust or, or other kind of government kind of interference with that stuff. Right. Like that's, that's the, the cynic in me who looks at that. I'm like, okay, those are your reasons. Like that's why you would do this. Cause you wouldn't get rid of it for just any reason because you don't, you don't care. Right. Like it's one of those things you're like, no, like I, I, um, this, this is a big part of their business. I mean, this whole thing with double click, which is why I think double click was such a important like innovation for them. Uh, like we're not innovation, but such an important like acquisition for them. Um, and it does seem like they're just kind of shifting the, the narrative, uh, a, a little bit, but it's, um, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so, so, so I'm, I'm, I question like how some of that stuff works, but it's also one of those things where I think with brave, my issue is, and they, they bought what they bought is they bought clicks where they bought like the, the people behind clicks, which was like a privacy focused search engine. And so it has some basis, you know, in, in prior stuff. And it's not that I have any doubt in the technical acumen of the people behind brave. I think they're actually smart. And I think there are a lot of good ideas in the browser. What I can't get over with brave as much as they've tried to spin things. I'm like still mad at them about this. Cause I just find it so disingenuous and it makes me hard to trust anything they say is like, I'm very bothered by the fact that like they take out advertisements on other people's content and replace it with their own advertisements And then the only way that the people whose advertisements they've taken over, which I have a problem with if you're going to replace it with your own. um, And and to be honest, I kind of don't love like as like a for-profit entity taking out advertisements by default at all, like if I'm being totally honest. Um, But but particularly if they're, you know, adding their, their own on top of it, the only way that the people who can, you know, who are the creators of that stuff can, can get paid is if they opt in to Brave's program. Like it just, I'm still really bothered by that. And I still find that to be such a disingenuous thing to be like, oh, we hate advertisements, except the ones that we're going to replace your ads. But like, I just feel like, but, but, but like the whole idea is like, basically they don't, it's not that they hate advertisements. They hate the way advertising works. I Yeah, I get that. But I, I still feel like it's not their place. And I still feel like it's pretty fucked up to for them to take like the, the role of saying we want our company to make money and we're fine with the ads that we sell. Right. And but so we they're selling ads take them that off of your stuff. aren't targeted. I understand that, but that, but, but, but who, but that doesn't give them the right on my website for them to replace how my website is, is displayed to 
people who visit my website. Like that to me, I'm sorry. I think that's fucked up. Like I I'm not okay with that. Like I'm fine with ad blockers in general. I'm not really down with like the ad blockers that are owned by ad companies, you know, like ad block <laughs> pluses, like you block origin. I'm all about regular you block is a whole other thing. Um, and, and I, I, you know, people do what you want, but like as somebody who used to work in an advertiser, you know, kind of, you know, sponsored kind of world, but even beyond that, and just frankly, from like an autonomy standpoint, like who the fuck is brave to decide what ads I can or can't display on my website. Like if an individual user wants to install a plugin, that's fine. But who the hell is this browser company to not only get rid of them, but replace them with ones they've deemed correct. Like who the fuck gives them that authority and then who the hell lets them say, oh, and we'll, we'll pay you, but you have to opt into our bullshit bat token system. You have to like give us your information so we can pay you for stuff that we are like, we're taking your ads and replacing them with ours. So we're like, I just think it's fucked up. And I think it's a really disingenuous way of them saying, oh, we care about, like, they don't give a shit about creators. They don't. And that's fine, but don't pretend like you do. I just find it really disingenuous to be like, oh, ads are bad except for ours. Fair enough. You, you, you feel very passionate about this. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know any, like I, I use brave from time to time. I don't use it on the desktop. I use it on mobile sometimes. And, and I'm, I like, I, again, like, I feel like they have good ideas. I just, I find that whole thing really disingenuous. I also find the cult around Brent, Brendan Ike completely stupid because the reason the cult exists is because he was briefly Mozilla's CEO and then was fired. I think rightly so. He never should have been elevated that to that position without them doing like a deep dive into stuff. Um, and, and people are still mad about that and are like, Oh, well, Mozilla would be different. Firefox wouldn't be so fucked if he were in charge. No, it would still be pretty fucked. It would still be completely relying on Google. Like he, him being the, the leader wouldn't have changed anything. I don't think, but like I respect his technical stuff, uh, technical ability. I just don't quite understand the cult of people who are like obsessed with him because of some vendetta that they're mad that he got, you know, fired for uh, like, I, I don't, like, he couldn't lead that organization. People didn't feel comfortable with someone like that as their leader. Fair enough. You know what? Browser is probably the safest and Firefox. probably the most pure links oh yeah okay fair enough but like that's yeah i mean i guess that's the one good one i just i just i just checked my command line to see if links is still like installed on my machine and it totally is um i don't remember how to use it yeah i was gonna say hasn't hasn't it been replaced with something like isn't there like another like i think obviously it's still a thing but um i think that there's like another text base um what oh, browser i bet there i bet there is but yeah i'm reading my blog right now with links and no ads no cookies and i mean i try to have a, a blog that works without javascript anyway but. i was gonna say you care about accessibility i mean that's actually the the i think probably one of the best um things about like going like javascript free um is accessibility although i'm not opposed to javascript or whatever but yeah yeah, well, I use JavaScript to add functionality, but not replace right. functionality. Right, like, progressive enhancement. Yeah, my site works in links. That should be uh, <laughs> works best in links. Remember those works best in Internet Explorer and I Netscape sure icons? I sure do. I've, I've, um, I've actually kind of been wanting to like make a T-shirt or something that has like you know works best in Netscape Navigator 4.0 or something. 
I'm, I'm just, Googling works best in links right now because I'm really curious if this already exists. It doesn't. I'm going to make, well, I shouldn't say it doesn't. DuckDuckGo didn't offer an immediate uh, uh, immediate link. I I think uh, I'm thinking I'm going to put a sticker on my blog. Uh, a works best best viewed in links. How was that <laughs> phrase before? Best viewed in? Yeah, it was best viewed. I love these live Google searches. I know. I was going to say best viewed in Internet Explorer button. Um, uh, I'm looking like for the images. Yeah, best viewed with Microsoft Internet Explorer was. Um, <laughs> was usually how it worked or, or best viewed with the Netscape Navigator. Well, cause you had to make a decision at some point you could you make, did. you could choose Netscape or you could choose internet Explorer and you could like, they, they were so divergent at that point. And now it's, you know, it's Chromium and WebKit and like there, what's the other one? What's Oh, and Mozilla. Gecko. Gecko. Yeah. Um, like they're still like, they move, they accept different parts of the spec at, at different rates, but it's nothing like it was back then. Like the no, HTML was different for the two right. different browsers. Well, right. Well, like, like Internet Explorer, like in like adopted CSS first. Right. And, yeah. and then there was like the whole ActiveX thing. Yeah, no, they were, they were different. Like if you just did HTML, it'd be different. But even there was a time when like tables would be different. And yeah. I remember that being in middle school and like having to figure out how to get my layout to look as accurate as possible. In both Which browsers. was crucial because tables were how we did layout back then. Completely complete tables and frames. Mm. Oh, frames. Frames. Yep. Oh, yep. Yep. And server side includes. Mm-hmm. Which are coming back now. Really? Why? I don't know. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, this should be another segment of our show. Uh, reminiscing about old technology. I know. And everything old is new again. It's one of those weird things where like, yeah, uh, because there's the, there's this certain like push to, you know, everything like, yeah, everything like went like from anyway, yeah, there's this, everything old is new again, everything being slightly reinvented differently. Um, uh, okay. We've got, do we have one more sponsor we need to we, talk about? We do. We do. And it's, I saved my, my favorite for last and hopefully everyone is still listening because I got to tell you about text expander. Love text expander. Love text expander. We could talk about this every week for free, but we're, we're getting paid. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read most of this, but I'm gonna have a lot of stuff I have to say. Um, so work harder. <laughs> No, work smarter, not harder with Text Expander. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Nailed it. Text Expander helps you work faster and smarter so you can focus your time on your most important work. With just a few keystrokes, Text Expander keeps you consistent, accurate, and working efficiently. Speed through emails with snippets containing fill in fields that you can trigger with a couple of keystrokes. Fill in fields make it possible to customize a snippet every time you use it only changing the parts that need to. Using Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations can streamline and speed up everything you type, and it helps you get your message right every time. You can expand content that corrects your spelling, keeps your language consistent with just a few keystrokes, and if you're working in like a team environment, you can have uh, text, <laughs> text Expander for Teams, which can let you define kind of like, this is how we address... Uh, customers. This is how we reply to this kind of request. This is how we uh, state our mission. Like you can have consistent language for everyone in the company and it's super easy. 
Um, and people don't have to go check a style guide every time. But anyway, overtired yeah. listeners get 20% off their first year. And you can go to TexExpander.com slash podcast uh, to get your discount and learn more about Text Expander. So I, I, yes, I just published, uh, I, I have this old system called Text Expander snippet, TE snippets, and I built it so that I could share my snippet groups publicly. This mm-hmm. is before they had public. This is before they, they, I was going to say before they let you publicly do it. Yeah. I used to do something similar. Right. So, and then I, I, I built it. So like, basically I was editing P list files. It was automated, but I would convert my P list into something that could be templated and people could punch in their own favorite prefix and it would give them a custom URL. And uh, since building that text expander has created a uh, kind of a public sharing, uh, a snippet mm-hmm. sharing uh, part of their website and you can go and view all these public snippets. So I have started converting my snippet groups into these public groups and I put my first one up. I'll link it in the, uh, in the show notes, but it's, uh, it's kind of the core Brett Terpstra tools that I use with text expander. Um, nice. Like the ones that are, you know, fit for public consumption anyway. No, exactly. No, yeah, totally. I know what you mean. I had one that I think somebody else uh, basically kind of did, took and did something similar with, but I had like the various um, like uh, emoticons. Yeah. Um, which I think is now like an official one, like people can like download or whatever, but like I'd created, this was years ago, like a thing, you know. Of- like the shrug and the table flip. Exactly. Those are yeah, yeah, you copy paste so, so, those every time. Yeah, so, yeah. So I so I have like a, a text expanders thing, which is um, just some um, asterisk asterisk shrug. Yeah, and and it, it'll automatically insert. And then I have other things too. Yeah, and it um, can do images. I have one that's comma comma f u u, and it <laughs> it it puts one, uh, like an image that just says fu. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, I used to have a thing. Um, I I need to go back and like do it, but I, yeah, I used to have a whole thing with text expander with my like a uh, gif reaction my reaction gif library i also created one for cussing um if you i think it's either curse or cuss i can't remember i don't use it often because i tend to just swear but w- when you trigger it it gives you a fill-in and you type in the swear word you want to say and it turns it into like cartoon with all the punctuation just keeps the first letter and if it ends in ing, it leaves the ing. So you get like F exclamation point pound sign at symbol ing. And uh, it's it's very handy for uh, like Facebook where, yeah. you know, my mom reads my stuff. So I, I can I can I can cuss, but do it in a, a more acceptable way for my mother. I mean, she's no. still like to her, like I mean, to her, like crap and and right. Uh, cheese and rice is just as bad as saying Jesus Christ because it's all, you know, I know what you meant. I mean, she's not wrong, which, <laughs> which my argument is like, okay, if you know what I meant, then I should just say the actual term. But um, yeah, I uh, I just looked at my text expander, like the ASCII emoticon thing, because they have one that you can subscribe to or whatever that you can do, which was, I think, largely taken from my original one at some point because I had one that was F yeah, but the actual term and that is that is hell yeah and um and the one that is i guess fit for public consumption yeah no attribution i assume that stuff gets lost 
it, which is fine, which is completely okay. Like I'm just happy people are able to use it. Uh, but yeah, no attribution, but, um, I'm actually, I think that was why I knew that it was mine was because like that thing was changed, but some of the other things were the same. And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Cause I remembered when I created those things and I was like, you know, naming them. And that was certainly like a, a choice that is very on brand for me. So. All right. Well, we should wrap up so I can edit this and still get it out today. Totally. Totally. If you're listening uh, to this and it's still Wednesday, it means I I won the battle against time and got it out. It means if I won the battle against time. If it's Thursday or Friday, it means that maybe maybe Brett's mental health became more important than uh, than editing this goddamn <laughs> podcast for you ungrateful sons of bitches. Basically. Also, I realized I was way angrier in the brave segment than I should have been. I actually do feel like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just going to go back to this. Not for a second. angry, like, just passionate. Well, OK, but like, OK, I think that like what they do with ads is fucked up, but I am happy that someone is at least trying to do something with a with a with a search engine. Even if I don't like a lot of the things that they do, I do. I am glad somebody is doing something with a search engine. Like, I hope that that will force like we need more competition in this space. There yeah. was, uh, there was like an article or maybe it was on daring fireball that the grouper talked about, like, um, like how Google results are, are worse, you know, than they used to be. And there are a lot of, they are. And I think there's been a lot of conversation about why that's happened. And people have like blamed, Oh, they put the ads in and this and that. No, I'll tell you what it is, is that they have no competition and they haven't had any competition. There's literally no one who is even like, close to making them have to try so they don't have to care and 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 it's like it's like what happens when you're the best at something for a really long time you just get lazy so if for no other reason than forcing like google to step it up and improve i want things like um braves thing and and i and, and DuckDuckGo and and other stuff to have a chance you know yeah i was just thinking yesterday about trying to figure out why Google results seem worse than they used to be. Like I used to be able to take an Xcode error message, punch it into Google and figure out what the problem was. Now I basically just get a bunch of paste bin and just links to people having the same problem with absolutely no like conversation or yep. resolution, or it, it'll send me to the, all these sites that, um, uh, that mirror Stack Overflow, and I think they they just scrape Stack Overflow and then add ads to it. Totally. But those results come up before Stack Overflow on yes. Google. No, which is not which on DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo gives you like instant answers. It'll even highlight the answered. Right, because DuckDuckGo doesn't have access. I'm guessing to the paid API stuff. Right. Like, yeah. you know, they're also they're using Bing for some other back end stuff. They're yeah. using different things. But like they yeah, they don't have the same um, ways that people can like abuse the uh, info box or, or whatever the way that that Google does. Yeah. I still love DuckDuckGo. I do, too. I do, too. Did you I know there's use... a Bang Terpstra search? No, there's an official. I can't remember if it's Terp. I think it's Bang Terp. Like for anyone who doesn't know, uh, DuckDuckGo has these. Uh, you put an exclamation point and then a word, and it'll it'll do a special search based on the Bang search. Uh, and there's one that searches my blog with like Bang Terp. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm honored. I'm That's I'm blown awesome. away by that. That's good. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. Well. 
Yeah, get some sleep, Christina. Get some sleep, Brett. And yeah, it is it is bang terp. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll link a I'll link a random search in the show notes. Yeah, I, I just I just I just typed in uh, bang terp and then keyboards and it immediately came up with <laughs> fun. All right. Well, and everyone check out the Discord too. Uh, keep the conversations going. We have fun definitely. Yeah. Um, and uh, Taylor Swift is up for six Grammys on Sunday, so you know we definitely have stuff we're going to have to be talking about with her for next week. Overtired so. fodder for the future. All right. Yep. Oh, and right. we should watch, we should watch the, uh, the, 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 uh, Billie Eilish and we can talk yeah, about that. Yeah. 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 Let's watch the Billie Eilish documentary so we can talk about that. That sounds good. All right. Rock on. Get some sleep. Get some sleep. The system is going down low.